0: Welcome to the I Love Coaching Podcast, where we believe coaching solves everything. Welcome back to the I Love Coaching Podcast, everybody. My name is Adam Roach. I am your host today, and today we have a very special guest. This guest, if you are in Texas, needs absolutely no introduction. And actually, I'm sure if you are a football fan across the country, this man needs no introduction. And I have one of the most winningest coaches in high school football in the state of Texas Mr. coach coach Allen right now in the I love coaching podcast coach Allen welcome to the show
1: thank you adam it's a pleasure to be with you
0: yeah the pleasure truly is all ours as it relates to coaching we cannot wait to pick your brain for the next 30 minutes or so so we always start the show here at the I love coaching podcast with something very very simple and it is coach Allen you were born and then what happened <laughs>
1: Uh, well, my parents, uh, told me I didn't have to play football. I could always find another place to live. They, uh, I had football in my crib. Uh, My dad was a football player. Uh, my dad coached me in little league. I grew up playing the sports, whatever was in season. I grew up in Abilene, Texas. And uh, at age 12, I could see the Abilene Eagles winning state championships with their head coach, Chuck Mosier, who was like the mayor of Abilene, and I wanted to be just like him. And so I, I made it a goal to be a football coach, uh, and uh, I've not regretted it. Uh, I've just had a great career, and uh, I've been in it 47 years, and I look wow. forward to every football season.
0: Wow, that, that is incredible. So you, you and I are somewhat cut from the same cloth. My father was an Olympic swim coach. So, coaching has been in my world my entire life, and it sounds like it's been in yours pretty much your entire life as well, right? Hmm.
1: What I I've to have great coaches. Uh, I mean, I can remember my middle school coaches being great men of character, and then my high school coach was Merrill Green, mm-hmm. and they had been an All American at the University of Oklahoma when Bud Wilkinson was the head coach, and uh, he hired me for my first coaching job right out of, at Southern Methodist University but my college coach was a Hall of Famer Hayden Fry and another Hall of Famer was my position coach Jerry Moore who uh who was the head coach at Texas Tech and Appalachian State.
0: Wow that's incredible so so you did go on to play football at SMU right?
1: I play football and baseball at SMU. Yes. Wow.
0: Now for all of our listeners, we have entrepreneurs that listen. We have business owners. We have athletes. We have you, you name it. The I love coaching company has the listeners of, is it true that football in the state of Texas is just as religious as basketball. I'm from Indiana as basketball <laughs> is in the state of Indiana. Is that true?
1: I think football is very important in Texas. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I imagine it depends on who you ask. We've been playing some great basketball in Texas lately. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, football, as I was growing up, it was the sport in the fall that you played. I tried to play basketball and I ran track and played baseball. I mean, whatever's in season is what I wanted to do. But football is very important in Texas. We have more people attend our games. We have, uh, you know, we, this is a hundred year celebration of Highland park football. We started playing in 1923 and uh, we've got uh, some unbelievable former players that played at Highland park, but our alumni base is so attached to our high school because they remember their football playing days and, uh, I've been there 24 years, and I'm coaching some of the uh, children of the boys that I coached when I first got here in 1999.
0: How about that? So let's go back to your coaching day. So, so you, you're you out of now SMU from playing, and now you go into coaching, and you were an assistant coach first, right?
1: Well, I was a head baseball coach, assistant varsity football coach when I first started.
0: Gotcha. And what what do you feel? Is, what 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 was the desire to get into coaching? Was that just the natural progression, or did you have something internally that said you got to go lead these boys to something bigger, better, faster, stronger? Yeah,
1: it it uh, I wanted to have the same impact that my coaches had on my life, and uh, I think Pat Dye gets credit for this quote. But I was called a coach like a preacher's called to preach, and that's kind of. <laughs> My passion for coaching was a calling and it was a calling not only to be, to make young men better athletes and win a lot of football games, but to make them better men, better husbands, better fathers. Yeah, that's beautiful.
0: So, so what we do here at the I Love Coaching Company is we coach what we call whole life millionaires. You know, there's so many business owners out there that want to be millionaires in the space as it relates to dollars. And and again, having watched my father do all the coaching that he did while he was alive to watch him grow, just like you said, men, right? Grow them into the right space to be the best humans as it relates to being adults that they could be. And that's what I just heard you say there is you also created amazing adults, right?
1: Right. Uh, There's a scripture that says in the Bible, Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. And we call that the four square life. Mm. So we improve our players physically, mentally, spiritually, and intellectually. Uh, and so, you know, we want the whole person uh, to feel like they're getting uh, mentored when they, co- when they play for our football team.
0: That, that's absolutely amazing. So then we go into the head coaching space. Uh, your first job was, was in Brownwood, right? Bert, that was a, for the first head coaching job in football?
1: No, I was at Ballinger, Texas, the Ballinger Bearcats.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 Ballinger. The the, uh, Brownwood was the second one, right?
1: Right,
0: right. Yeah. So, so Ballinger. Now, well, I don't know. I'm sure you know this, but as I was doing homework to prepare for you, I noticed a five year trend there for a little bit, and then when you got to Highland, it lasted a little bit longer. Now, though, what I saw in Ballinger, again, you turned that program around from where it was to again ultimately. Where it become a, a, a contender, when you turn something around, so we have again business owners that listen to this. what did you have a three, five, ten step process to turn something around? And what was your methodology there with turning soap around?
1: Well, let me just tell you a story. Spike Dykes, who used to be the head coach of Texas Tech told me when I was a young coach that uh, you need to move about every five years because every year you make about 10% of the people mad at you. And after <laughs> five years, you've got over 50% of the people in town mad at you. So that was kind of uh, the way it went for me. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the process was you got to get the kids to trust you and buy in. Mm. So the first thing, you know, was to have – I wanted those young men to have success, and I, I wanted them – so we started – going to powerlifting meets, and uh, they were strong. They just didn't believe they could win. So mm-hmm. as they saw that they could lift weights with some of our competition, they started getting a little confidence. And then you've gotta have a, you got to have a Moses, somebody lead you out of the wilderness. We had a quarterback that his first pass as a sophomore was a touchdown, and he wound up being the guy that uh, led us to the state quarterfinals and went on to earn a scholarship to Texas Tech. He was Aaron Cassidy. But uh, what happened, I just, you know, I mean, bottom line is you got to get them believing. And they, mm-hmm. they called them the beer cats when I got there because they drank a lot of beer, but they didn't play very good football. <laughs> and they knew how to lose. They knew how to cry and roll around the floor, but they didn't know how to win. And so we had to get them to buy into an off-season program where we put them through some real tough conditioning and weightlifting. And uh, then – But once they started believing and realizing they could compete, then we had to teach them skills that would make them better. We had a great scheme and I had a great coaching staff. And, you know, we tried to out-coach people. We tried to put our our players in positions where they could be successful. And then once you start having success, then it starts building in the, the younger grades. You know, we'd have pep rallies they let the seventh and eighth graders out of class and they'd line the road as we would leave town going to a playoff game. So those young boys started dreaming about being Bearcats mm-hmm. and uh, you know, that winning tradition continued long uh, years after I left. Cause those little boys grew up watching the Bearcats win. Yeah. I had a different challenge at Brownwood cause I followed Gordon Wood, who was the winningest coach in Texas at the time. And, I was naive and, and not very smart, I guess. And uh, I took that job and I didn't realize that it was going to be impossible to meet expectations. Coach Wood had won nine state championships there wow. and uh, he introduced me to the team. I actually played at Abilene Cooper when we played Brownwood. I was a senior and Coach Wood was the coach at Brownwood. But anyway, he introduced me to the team. <laughs> he said introduce introduced me as Randy Allen. <laughs> and, uh, uh so you know it was hard for me there because I mean I to get them to believe in me I'd been I came from a 3A school Ballinger Texas and I had won a state championship so it was hard to get buy in from those young men but we did have success and uh but it was very difficult because the expectations were really high yeah. and go ahead
0: well no no I was I was gonna dive a little bit deeper into that so you're you're following a legend there right and and we have listeners that are not ceos yet but maybe they're going to go be ceos and they're going to go follow some amazing ceos you look at jack welsh right jack welsh his his the, the person that followed him i don't know his name right <laughs> and so so what what were some of the steps and what were the some of the some of the things you you, you brought into those men those young boys in the belief and then the skills, and then put him in the position to be successful there at Brownwood after following such a legend?
1: Well, I would like to say that it was all easy and that we had all this success, et cetera. Um, but it was very difficult. Uh, I just felt the pressure of trying to, you know, please the fans and please the Coach Wood. And, and uh, to do that, you had to win every football game. You had to go 16 win a state championship and when we would end the season in the playoffs we'd have a great season we did we'd win 12 games but we might get beaten in the playoffs uh, and I always felt disappointed and it was so much more fun when when I went into a losing program and turned it around than going into a great traditional program and trying to maintain that tradition mm. especially since I had not played at Brownwood Uh, The interesting thing is in their school song, it's here's to Coach Wood's Lions, boys. Mm. And when I came in, it was the first time in, you know, 30 years they had sang that song with my name in it. It was here's (laughs) to Lions, boys. (laughs) So anyway, a lot of pressure. A
0: lot of pressure, yeah. Though though you had success, right? Almost very similar to Ballinger's record in five years right 44 and 15 then 43 and 13.
1: Right and and we did the same thing there that we did at Ballinger and I did at Bryan High School. I mean we loved those kids and and we treated them like men and we taught them the skills they needed to be successful Um, and we tried to get the best athletes out for football and we Mm -hmm. taught leadership. Uh, We had a well Uh, a very close coaching staff that worked very hard together.
0: Yeah. That's beautiful. So now, and then you move back to your alma mater, right?
1: Right. At Cooper.
0: Now, let me, let me, before we go there, uh, at either Ballinger or Brownwood, did you make it to the state finals? No. Gotcha. Okay. So, so I want all of our listeners to hear this. We have one of the most winningest coaches in Texas football history. Ten years goes by, and he doesn't even make it to the state championship, right? Right. Right. But then we go back to your alma mater, and what did I read here? In five years, there's our five-year trend, in five years yep. after being the head coach, you take him to the state championship, right?
1: Well, we got the state finals. We sure did. And uh, my goal was, I when I was a senior in high school, we were defeated in the state championship game, 19, 20 to 19 on the last play of the game. Hmm quarterback sneak jack miller was our quarterback he was third runner up the heisman trophy at the university of oklahoma but we ran a quarterback sneak from the one yard line the last play of the game against austin reagan at amon carter stadium in fort worth and the Mm -hmm. officials didn't give us a touchdown so my goal was to go back and get that one inch that i didn't get as a player (laughs) and uh, we we got the state championship game and and it's a long story. Bottom line is Drew Breeze was the quarterback for Austin Westlake. I had a great running back named Dominique Rhodes who played in the NFL for a long time.
0: Played for the Colts.
1: Uh, and uh, Austin Westlake, we turned it over in the second half and Westlake beat us pretty good. But we got there and I don't think we'd have gotten there if we hadn't had the dream. And, you know, sometimes mm. the dream is the passion of the dream drives you to that goal. And, to to get to that goal or to win that goal in the state of Texas, there's two hundred and fifty great football teams and great football wow. coaches. And the ball has to bounce right, you know, and if you sure. that if you don't if you turn it over in the big game, you're not gonna win against a great football team. But our guys had a great season to get there.
0: Yeah. And and to go back into that history. So now you playing at your alma mater was 1967, and they hadn't been back to the finals since 1967,
1: right? Right. In 96, we went back.
0: In 96, you went back. So again, now we're in a 15-year period of your coaching career, and you made it back to the pinnacle as a – well, made it to the pinnacle as a coach. Now, let me ask you a question logistically. So you said there's 250 teams. I know that there's a a class ranking of football – do they play state championships based on, on class, or is it all wide open?
1: Well, I, I just rounded it off. They play sure. based on enrollment. And okay, so, based on enrol-
0: enrollment.
1: Yeah, the largest schools back when uh, – I mean, it's changed over the years, but oh, yeah. when you come to Texas, the largest enrollment is 6A, and that could be anywhere to 6,000, 7,000. Know, a lot of students and then you've got 5a which usually starts around 2500 somewhere around there you got 4a 3a 2a 1a and six man football gotcha and within those classifications you know you've got some great teams and a lot of teams that you have to beat to win a state championship actually we have to win 16 games to win a state championship and you play the state championship on the week before christmas and okay. we play one side at AT&T Stadium, they play all the games there over about a five-game, five-day period. Wow!
0: So that's that's a lot of football.
1: A lot of football. <laughs> that's
0: a lot of football.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's as many as an NFL team plays to win a, a Super Bowl.
0: Exactly. You know, growing up in the state of Indiana, we—I'm yeah, sure you've seen the movie Hoosiers. When yeah. I was in high school, that that still was the way that they ran the state championship basketball was all teams made it in to the <laughs> tournament based on how they performed. And I'll never yeah. forget my senior year in high school, we won the state championship, but we came up against a smaller school that was didn't have as big of players, didn't have as many namesakes on there. We we had our Mister Indiana Mr. Basketball on our team, and we only won by one point because their dream... Was a, well, they had a dream of winning, but they sure they they did not want to lose to us, and they almost beat us. That's for sure. Yeah. So so now let's fast forward because now you are at um, you're mater for for how many years? Was that nearly nearly ten years?
1: Eight years, yeah.
0: Eight years, gotcha. And, and then you moved to where you currently are, which is Highland.
1: Highland Park High School, Dallas, Texas.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the most decorated football programs in 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 all of Texas, right?
1: It is, and uh, it's right down the street from Southern Methodist, where yep. I played.
0: Yeah, so so it's it's all coming home, huh?
1: <laughs> right. When I left Abilene Cooper, my my best friend, who I played ball with at at SMU, said, "Randy, you won't win a state championship at at Highland Park because it'd been like 48 years since they'd <laughs> won." One.
0: Yeah, yeah, 40. That's what I. That's what I read. 48 years. And then, and then if my, my research serves me correct, you won a state championship there with, with the guy that just won the Super Bowl last year, right?
1: Right, Matthew Stafford. Uh, he was an eighth grader when I came to Highland Park. And uh, I knew that looking at our depth chart, he'd have a chance to start when he was a sophomore. So I went down to the eighth grade, got him out of class and asked him what his goals were. And he said he wanted to win a state championship. And I said, those are my goals too. And uh, he wound up leading us to the state championship in 2005, his senior year, uh, and then went to uh, University of Georgia at midterm. And so you go through spring training.
0: Hmm. But
1: I was able to be at the draft uh, the year in New York when he was drafted number one. And then I was there Super Bowl when he won last year.
0: Were you really that? What an incredible story there.
1: Yeah, it was great.
0: Now, now let's let's. We'll we'll pause this simple little interview here of of going through you. I want to talk to now the man, the man, Coach Allen. You see a player like Matthew go through, I mean, you've known him since eighth grade, go through that progression. What type of feeling does that give you, the coach, to see that individual not only grow as as a professional athlete, but also grow now as a man, as a contributor to community and society, as probably a, a, a husband and a father, what type of feeling does that give you to see him show up the way he has?
1: Well, I'm just so proud of him and mm-hmm. uh, the type of man that he is, and the way he represents Highland Park High School, the way he represents uh, L.A. and the NFL. Uh, uh, you know, he is—he's got four little girls, and and he's a great husband, a great dad, and. uh a great role model. He's very humble. But if, if you watch the Super Bowl, if you could, if you watch the sidelines, he was a great leader on the sidelines, just encouraging his teammates and he'll be the first one to take the blame. If something goes wrong and the first one to give credit to somebody else when things go right. But you just hope that he learned something while he was playing for us at Holland park that made him a, the kind of man he is.
0: Right. Now you use the word leadership there. So do you believe that that's something that can be taught and instilled in these kids? Do you think they have it innately? Do you think they get it from their environment? Where, where do you think that that comes from?
1: We're very intentional about teaching leadership. We have six core values and we have hand signals for each of those core values. And we teach them from the seventh grade to the 12th grade. So every little boy in the seventh grade should be able to tell you what our six core values are, commitment, enthusiasm, mental and physical toughness, teamwork, integrity, and tradition, and we have a definition for each one of those values. I also have 12 player committee members that are elected by their teammates that meet, me, meet me with me once in a week in the mornings and we study a book or we study something on leadership. And then we have four captains Sometimes we'll have as many as five or six captains, but those guys will meet with me as well. And I, I, here's, here's the key. You got to give our guys leader uh, ownership of the program. I want those guys to feel like it's their program. And I want them to feel like, you know, the baton's been handed to them. They got to leave the place better than they found it. They've got to do something with their senior year with the tradition to make it better than it was before they received, you know, before it was their turn to write their story. And uh, our guys take a lot of pride in that. They work very hard to be the best.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. What, what are some of the um, what are some of the legacies or what are, what are some what are some of the things that they have instilled into the school and or the program there?
1: Well, the motto for our school is "Enter to learn, go forth to serve," mm. and we have to have uh, over a hundred community service hours before they can graduate. So, built into those young men and every student at Holland Park High School is the idea that we've been gifted with a lot, and so we got to give back to the community. Another unusual thing about our school is that every Every person that served in the military has their name on a plaque right inside the school building. So, whether you served World War One, World War Two, it doesn't matter. If you serve, your name is on a plaque inside our school building, and it, the patriotism and the, and the fact that you gave, you're giving back to your country is important. We've had, you know, just unbelievable success last year. Matthew won the Super Bowl. Scotty Scheffler, graduate, won the Masters.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: Hershaw had already won the World, Se- you know, World Series and been the Cy Young Award winner. So those three graduates have given so much honor and glory back to Highland Park High School. Uh, and we're just so proud of them because all three of them are great men.
0: Yeah, that, that's, that's truly incredible. Now, I want to go down the path of, of retiring and then coming back. <laughs> walk us down that path what number one what was the catalyst for wanting to retire with such a passion drive and energy for for the game of football and then you said well i'm gonna pause there i'm gonna come on right on back
1: well uh, uh for uh, uh winning a state championship takes a lot of energy and a lot of effort mm-hmm. i mean you're you're working seven days a week for 16 weeks seven days a week for 16 weeks and there's a lot of Emotional energy that goes with it. So, we had won back-to-back state championships, and uh, we'd won it in two thousand sixteen and two thousand seventeen. The two thousand seventeen game has been called the greatest high school football game that's ever played. We came wow. from behind late in the game, had to recover an onside kick, we had to make fourth and fourteen uh, to to win the game, and we tackled their manbles guy on the one yard line at the last play of the game to win it. And so people think that after your last six, you know, after your state championship game, that's all you got to do. But you got to order rings, you got to get your banquet together. John Stephen Jones, Jerry Jones's grandson, was our quarterback. So I was working with Stephen Jones to do a documentary on the football team. And so when the <laughs> rings came in, we had a huge ring ceremony. We had a documentary in the auditorium. And so there, it's all this energy that I had to expend. Uh, for two years in a row. And I mean, I just got exhausted. I didn't realize it, but I was running on empty. And uh, so this idea that I couldn't duplicate what I'd just done, the idea that I couldn't, that I just coached one of the greatest football games and that if I went back out on the arena and I competed again, it wouldn't be the same or I couldn't duplicate it. That thought kept going through my mind. And uh, so I had some mentors, I had three mentors, and these were men that had, anytime I'd make a big decision, I'd always talk to these three men. And they were former coaches, and they were guys that loved me and, and get, told me the truth. And uh, they said to me, Randy, you couldn't pick a better time to retire, but you gotta have a piece about it. Mm. And uh, so I prayed about it, and uh, I got a meeting with the superintendent for, let's say Thursday. So Wednesday night I go to bed and I'm still not sure. I've met with my family. I met with my son. We're ready. If I pull the trigger to make an announcement on, you know, internet, uh, email, et cetera, to let people know. When I got up that morning, I told my wife, I said, okay, let's do it. I'll have mm. the family up there at two 30. I'll call a press conference. I'll tell the you know, the coaches in the morning, I'll tell the players before, I go to the press conference. We'll do the press conference and we'll get it. We'll get it done. And so, uh, I told the coaches, they were totally surprised. Mm -hmm. Uh, I told the team and I hugged everyone. I'm telling them I loved them. And then I went to the press conference and, uh, I had, a had it written out what I was going to say. And I, I made it through without crying, Mm -hmm. but I got home from the press conference and I started having doubts and, uh, came to Abilene to see my folks and uh, my sister-in-law saw me and she said "Uh, you look so sad Mm -hmm. and then I went over to one of my mentors house and his wife said well how does it feel not to have a purpose anymore Mm. and uh, they my mentors had told me Randy there's life after football once you make that decision don't ever look back well I would I would start crying at home and I'd tell my wife, I said, okay, tell me what Jimmy Keeling said. Tell me, don't look back. T- keep telling me that. Don't look back. So after about two weeks, I'm sitting in my car out in front of the indoor facility where our guys work out. And the, I called Gil Brandt, the old Dallas Cowboy personnel director, and I told him how I was feeling. And he said, Well, go get your job back if that's how you feel. Hmm. And then I called coach green and I told him how I was feeling. And he said, Randy, don't feel bad about going, you know, changing your mind. And he gave me an example in his career where he had told, you know, he was, he told Midland high, he was going to go there as a AD. And then he changed his mind and went back to Admiral Cooper and coached us our senior year. But so his point was just because you change your mind, doesn't mean that you lack integrity. And uh, so I got out of my car and I walked to the superintendent's office and I just sat out and waited for him. And I didn't know, but he had just had his first interview to replace me. Hmm. So he came into the office and we sat down and I said, Dr. Trigg, I'd, I'd like to come back as a football coach. And uh, he said, well, give me an hour. I'll meet you at your house and I'll let you know. Cause uh, you know, we've already started the interview process. And I need to talk some people. So I went back to my house and he came over there an hour after and he, he said, Randy, we want you coaching. And, you know, next time, if you decide that, that you want to get out, just give us a little bit more warning. But we, we want you back. Well, the team... They're thinking that there's another coach coming, but we I called a team meeting for that next morning where well, they're all waiting for me to announce the next coach you know and <laughs> i said uh, guys, you know i' I've, I've I've decided to come back, and they looked at me like I was crazy i think <laughs> but uh, anyway they they uh they rallied and we won another state championship wow. in 2018, and and we went sixteen and 0, and uh you know, I just, I look back and think what I missed, what I would have missed if I hadn't have gone back on my, you know, hadn't followed my in, instincts and gone back. I mean, my family couldn't believe it that I was going back and, uh, I'd already been in you know, investigating other things to do and I'd have people contact me and, uh, some people, uh, you know, some of my mentors didn't think I should go back, but, uh, it was the best thing, that I, and I and I guess it's been five or six years since that happened, and I have not looked back. It's been a great experience.
0: What an amazing story! Thanks for thanks for sharing all that. That's uh, <laughs> the 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 takeaway that I just had there is number one: surround yourself with with people. Right, surround yeah. you 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 might have a decision to make, but you better surround yourself with people that can also hear you and be a, a shoulder for you when you need it. That's that's one of the first things that I heard you say there. Right. And the second thing that I heard was listen to yourself also. Listen to your gut. Right? Yeah. L- listen to the inside of you. But well, boy, what what a what a punch that was. Now, well, I think it was I think you said your your sister-in-law or somebody. Now what's your purpose? <laughs> Whatever yeah. you said she said.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so- takes- Because that, when it's been, that's the only, you know, that's the purpose that's kept you going. I mean, like I told you, I was called a coach like a preacher's called to preach. I mean, that was my calling. That was my purpose. And when I lost it, I mean, it was just, uh, I didn't, I didn't have another goal out there that I was shooting for. Mm
0: -hmm. Curious. What would you say to someone that maybe is in the same situation, right? They've had success in their role whatever that role may be. And, and, and they're, they're looking for, maybe it's a next level of success, or maybe it's an opportunity just to take a break or maybe they went out completely. What what advice would you give to someone that may be going through something very similar that you went through?
1: Well, I would, uh, what I would say is uh, what I wished I'd had is another goal out there. Like everywhere I'd coached, I'd always had a, it was never the end place that I wanted to be. I was always, climbing. You know, I was always going uh to a but you know what I thought was a better place, a better job, mm-hmm. a new challenge. And when I got to Holland Park and had so much success, I just there was no place that I could go in high school that was better than where I was at. And so it had to be another vocation, it had to be another goal, it had to be something. And I just hadn't hadn't set that. You know, football is my hobby. That's number one. I mean I'm probably too focused on football because I don't have any other hobbies uh, mm-hmm. to speak of. I mean, I love to trout fish, love to fly fish, et cetera, but bottom line during football season, I mean, it's, it's, that's what I do. I love to study football, love to call plays and all that. But I think what, what uh, I've started doing is looking for that next step you know i i don't think i want to ever just retire and not do anything i'm always looking now i'm trying to set another goal out there or another uh something that i could get excited about and uh and i may just keep coaching you know that's always an opportunity <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my, uh, my good friend one of my mentors coached leave was 76 years old wow my dad's 98 and a half and just took his driver mm-hmm. renewal test. And so he got two more years to drive so he could drive to at least a hundred. So, oh, I mean, wow. I've got good DNA, good, got good genes, and uh, I, I just have a, I'm still highly motivated and still think I'm still effective.
0: Well, and then what What else did I read that, well, heck, that was, that was uh, 2016, Y'all won your 800th game, and now here we are. What is that, four years removed from that? So maybe a 1,000? We're going to go for a 1,000 wins? Uh,
1: Well, uh, three more, and I'm the second winningest coach in the history of Texas high school football. And uh, the guy that's ahead of me uh, has got 490. I'd have 436 or something like that. So to be number one, I'd have to coach for five or six more years. So who knows? Well, it sounds like you got it in you, sir. It definitely does.
0: <laughs> well, I, I know we're right here on time and I could talk to you for the next five hours. That's for sure. Uh, I really appreciate your time, your energy, and, and just your words of wisdom here that you've imparted on all of our listeners. We can feel the coaching spirit coming out in you. And this is definitely something that we love to connect with being the I Love Coaching Company. You know, all day, every day, we are looking to find and build people uh, in their space, right? That That is one of our missions is we help people get better at what they do. And, and that's really what our vision is, is to continue to empower coaches to change a hundred million lives by using what we call our real coaching model. And real stands for relevant, experiential, authentic leadership. And with that acronym, that's what all of our coaches wear as a badge of honors, that they are a real coach. And we take them through that process when they come on board here as as a coach of the I Love Coaching organization is that they become a real coach. And so this has really inspired me to take a lot of what you've done there in your leadership space and getting the buy-in. And I have no doubt that our listeners are probably writing notes at the same speed that I was. So thank you.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Adam.